You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 44 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode I'm sitting outside on my porch in the middle of the night and it's uh, quite cold. Uh, Winter has arrived. In this episode we are going to do a crossover with the Free Your Mind podcast. And you can check out this podcast at freeyourmindpodcast.com. This is uh, episode 69 over there. But here in the Natural Born Alchemist podcast series it is episode number 44 as I said earlier. Anyway, enough of the importance of the episode number. Let's instead listen to my chat with Bill who is the host of the Free Your Mind podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Free Your Mind podcast. This is Episode number 69, and very special episode. We also have a simulcast with Natural Born Alchemist, and we have along with us uh, the host, uh, Alex. Welcome to the show, Alex. Great to have you, man. Thank you. Great to be here. And great for you to have to be on my show also. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> and, and where are you at in the world, Alex? Uh, I'm in Europe. Fantastic. And I'm in America across the water, and... And, um, you know, let's get into it. How long have you been doing uh, the podcast for? Uh, I've been doing my podcast since May 2014. And uh, it was just a spur of the moment thing. I, you know, the podcast really started going in 2014, 2013. I just started noticing the that they were on the rise and I saw some interesting podcasts and I just thought, you know... Uh, I'll just make a podcast and uh, it started when I uh, took ayahuasca uh, it told me to you know just do things don't think about it too much just just do it so the ayahuasca is I mean sorry the the podcast is kind of taken over my uh, my life more than I'm I'm not ruling the podcast it's like taking me where I need to go. So it's put me in contact with lots of interesting people I would normally never have got a chance to speak to. So I enjoy it. How was it for you? How did, why did you start? Same thing. I had. Um, I just was, you know, kind of awoken to a bunch of this uh, esoteric, occulted information uh, through a lot of different teachers: Michael Tesserion, David Icke, and Mark Passio, and and I just knew that people need to be introduced to these different teachers. And I just interviewed Vinny Eastwood, who's also a podcast host, and and he said something very uh, very interesting that I kind of agree with, and i got to tell you I agree with it. As somebody that hosts this, is that I, I'm kind of a skeptic, and I want to talk to people as well and get to know them and, and ask them questions myself get a better understanding of the world that we we live in and you know what just having the opportunity to talk to Dr. Strassman and um, a few other people I already have interviewed it's just a, a wonderful platform that 
kind of breaks down barriers that allows you to meet some of these wonderful teachers that have influenced your life and and um you know it's just it's so cool i wouldn't have pictured in a million years that i would have my own podcast talking about the stuff that we talk about but um the more that i do it the more it kind of comes together and uh it just feels right so i absolutely i'm right there with you alex and um I've had some experiences myself. I've never done ayahuasca, and I haven't done DMT yet either. Um, but I've done psilocybin um, a number of times, and I've had some messages come through as well. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, your experience, first off, how did uh, how did you experience the ayahuasca? Did you travel to another country, or did you experience it uh, in house, or well, I'm uh, I'm kind of like a hobby anthropologist, so uh, for me there was no other option than to go to the Amazon, and uh, I've gone there three times, uh, so I've done it several times, and um, I'm gonna try to do it in in Europe if I found a good place and that, but only to check out if there is a difference, <laughs> but. Um, uh, for me, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not just ayahuasca. It's actually the uh, the jungle, the rainforest, and the shamans, the curanderos, and everything around it. The ayahuasca is like a, a small part of a bigger experience. So that's that's why I like going there. I also gone to Gabon and done iboga, um, which which I. Uh, it was very, it was great, but I I can never recommend it to anyone <laughs> because. And I want to I want to talk about that as well too because it's, uh, iboga is uh, used to um, help people come off of addictive uh, like opiate addictions and whatnot, right? Yes, yes, but I I I don't have those problems, and I'm I'm more of a I'm more on a spiritual quest, and f- for this. Ayahuasca is perfect, or psilocybin, or something like that. But iboga is, um, you know, if you if you're like a heroin addict, then I would probably recommend iboga. But if you're just on a spiritual quest, it it might be a bit too much. <laughs> it's uh, like like how so? Is it? Um, I know that you can like you need to be careful with this stuff too. It's it's very. Uh, can people die from it? No, uh, I mean it has happened, but it's so. I mean, it's 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 probably more dangerous sleeping in the shower. But uh, if you do it with the right people, that is, you know, you have to make sure who you're doing it with or who's, uh, you know, giving it to you. The the I think in a way, iboga can be safer because all it is is a ground up root, uh, whereas the ayahuasca is is made, it's brewed. So depending if the cook is good or bad, you know. Maybe you can mess up, but with iboga you can't really mess up. It's just it is what it is. So in that way, it's it comes finished from nature. But I, uh, ayahuasca you have to make, you know. Right, right. The MAOI, the mono, monoamine oxidase uh, neutralizes the DMT molecule right away. And yes. that's what's unique <laughs> about the psilocybin is that it has that MAOI uh, compound connected right there. And um, and so basically, when you eat it, it it's neutralized uh, by the liver, and if and it doesn't have the effect. But if you have this MAOI, the inhibitor, then 
it lasts for what five to eight hours yeah it can yeah i would say six for me it's always been around six but i always go to sleep right after it's all finished so maybe it would last longer if i'd stayed awake but uh, i mean the it, it it goes down around six hours but you might still feel it for a couple more hours but it's it's quite weak but the iboga you know can last for days so <laughs> i had one of my friends i went to gabon with he, he was uh tripping for a week yeah uh, talking to people that weren't there and things so uh with the iboga is it you know it don't don't go down take it on monday and expect to leave on the plane on Tuesday, you know, make have an open-ended ticket, you know, make sure you uh, don't have to go anywhere for at least a week. You know. I didn't know this when we did it, but I know it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you learn, you know, and that's that's another important thing to to uh, state is that when experimenting with these compounds, they're going to affect everybody a little bit differently as well, and sometimes very differently, you know, and so. Um, you have to always be precautious and and uh, and just make sure that you baby step into these new compounds, especially if you've never done it, and especially if they're you know pretty heavy hitters. If if you have days that can be taken out because <laughs> you're messed up, just imagine if you don't like it, <laughs> and it's like, dude, you still yeah. have like you still have like 48 hours left, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's. So it's, it's just just know what you're getting into. That's why I haven't even done. I've never done the ayahuasca or the DMT. I've had plenty of opportunities too, um, but the set and the setting haven't been right for me, and so I've just chosen not to. I I definitely want to, and I see that you know in the future I'm sure it will be, and I'll be reporting back to uh, Doctor Strassman my experience as well. And you talked to the, to Doctor Strassman, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. In one episode, I can't remember now which number, but <laughs> it was recently, so not that long ago. Yeah, great guy. <clears throat> and another work that he's done. So have, did you see, can you tell me about your experiences on ayahuasca? Yeah, uh, well, I've had on around 20, so it's quite many. So I can't really, you know, it will... Uh, you know, the, the ayahuasca is funny because it kind of works like a TV series where you have an arc where, you know, the main character in a TV series starts at one point and then at the end of the TV series is at another point. And so each ceremony, each time you take ayahuasca is like a continuation from the last one. And then it's, when you look at it on a distance, it's like an arc of wisdom or healing or, or whatever it is. So it's it's very hard, you know... It's very hard to explain, <laughs> but uh, but I've had uh, I've experienced all the classic things you can go through on an ayahuasca experience: uh, shape shifting, where I shift uh, transformed into a wolf or a dog. I'm not sure which, and uh, seeing other beings, talking to other beings, dying, uh, going to the other side, which is a horrible experience, but. That's the one you really. That's the one you uh, sh- should try and reach. That's I think that uh, no matter how many times you drink ayahuasca, if you haven't died, uh, then you need to keep drinking <laughs> till that day comes. 
so but you say you know in the same breath you were like that was a horrible experience but i think that's where we need to reach can you expand on that a little bit yeah it's it's hor- you know to die is uh, horrible you know like it's scary and it's uh, you know you thrown into the abyss basically and and i i honestly believed i was dead and um uh you know it's horrible when it's happening but then when you the next day or when you come back out and or when you realize you're alive again and that you you get a new appreciation for life it's kind of like people who've been in a car accident and survived you know usually they change their life or it's a very it's a very good thing for anyone anybody to have a near death experience the good thing with ayahuasca is it's completely safe near death death experience you don't have to be in an accident you know right right it's like practice it's yeah it's interesting that you say that but it's you know i've heard a saying from richard grove that said uh when you're supposed to be dead you know every day is a gift yeah Yeah. and so that's kind of like that kind of speaks to that you know you kind of take a different look at your life and uh you're much more thankful for it so yeah continue on if you don't mind yeah uh, um and um i was a i was a hardcore atheist before i drank ayahuasca and i'm i'm not an atheist anymore so i'm an atheist reformed <laughs> um but i was not, never fully 100% an atheist i was always like searching and wondering but i i, I did and I realized just recently that the reason I was an atheist was, and the reason I, I I understand why Richard Dawkins and those kind of atheist preachers are wrong is because the God they are atheist against is not really the God that's the God, you know. They always, you know, uh, it's, it's like... Um, They're against the model model the organized version model of god yeah i mean the god that the the mainstream god or that e- normal e- sits normal. up on the cloud and looking over at you and telling people you know not the not the life spirit yeah. that incarnates every living creature right yeah and and so it's very easy to be an atheist if you think about this type of god and that's why richard dawkins doesn't believe in God because I don't believe in that God either, you know. And I, and even even the word God, I don't like to use that word because it has all this baggage with it. You know, as soon as you say God, you know, usually you think about a man, <laughs> but uh, or father or something like that. But it's it's for me it's it's not even a it's you know genderless and you know it's it, it's an experience. I guess is the best word. <laughs> And uh, more than anything, you know. And I, I've seen it. Uh, so that was the one of the best ceremonies I had was when I came face to face with the uh, God force or the God energy or whatever you call it. And uh, I, I explain it the way, you know, if you imagine you have a child and it dies in your arm, the the way you would cry when that happens, like uh, complete cry like a complete violent cry would you would you would have if you know your child died in your arms of course i had this i had this kind of cry but from 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 beauty and joy but it was it was so it was a violent cry like complete 
if somebody didn't know what I was experiencing, they would probably think I was in complete despair. But I, I, I just broke down from the magnitude of this force. And uh, it gives, you know, when you've had these kind of experiences, it's kind of like having a secret superpower because you feel more strong and, and, and invincible because you know that in the end nothing in this world can really hurt you you know it can temporarily cause you pain but it's it's just fleeting you know yeah so <clears throat> can you explain the experience that happened you know was it something that was just a feeling did you see like a did you have like a divine like a prophecy or something or or um uh no it, it was just i just saw it i just um it, it it was when the when the ayahuasca ceremony that one when it was peaking when everything it's just kind of like a hurricane when it came to its peak you know like the heavens opened and the god force whatever you call it just came forth and i saw eternity infinity and the light and the compassion i saw everything in one one vision and it was it was so huge I mean, it was like an orgasm of the mind. Uh, it's really hard to explain, and it's the the vision is burned into my brain. But even now, it's faded compared to when it happened. You know, it's, I can't explain it. Uh, uh, you just know it when you see it. And uh, I um, I have this one good vi vi wisdom. I received from this experience was that you know if you if everything is light and you have the light you can doesn't matter you know if you ha if you bring in a shadow or some darkness into this light it's very hard to make the light go away but if you have complete darkness you know and you light one match it just breaks it breaks it apart and uh, this is very important, I think, because it, you know, I was get when it gives you wisdom, it it doesn't tell you it. It shows it. You see it. It's like wisdom beheld, and um, nothing, you know, nothing can. I mean, there is no devil, or you know, <laughs> there might be like you might think there is, or negative energy, or whatever. But nothing can touch the light you know nothing can touch it doesn't matter how dark it is if just one match and and you have light you know so i also thought for me this was uh, a very imp for me in important insight well and that's what you know also the the importance of doing shadow work and confronting shadows and and looking at your past or looking within you and, and also looking at collective society it um, you know the the dark stuff, but you know not focusing. You know just taking a light and shining it over. Guess what? It doesn't. It's not dark anymore. You you see how comical it is actually because it's you know silly that people believe so readily. You know with their life on these social models that um, are absent of so much care and love, and that's. What I what I did experience with psilocybin too is just like that that connection that you feel with people and 
you know, you can look at people right in the eye, man, and just feel their heart, and it opens up your heart space, and, and uh, you know, it's just, you, you just kind of feel like everything's going to be okay, and that it's, it's, I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Have you ever had uh, something like this with psilocybin, or has it been like personal healing, or? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do, I try to do it all the time. I did some, but it's also, you know, I did a little bit too much last time I did it, so I was just kind of wiped out. I just needed to go lay down and and chill, you know. But but I had great music. I had a buddy of mine that was a DJ that was playing right there, and and uh, and man, that music took me on a journey by itself. And there's different ways that you can do it, and that music was very cool because it just kind of kept my uh, thought process going and. But there's also ways that you do it where you don't have any external stimuli and you, you go within. And that's what I prefer to do as well. I'll take, um, you know, a few grams, um, three or four, not too many, and go out to my field and make a nice little bed during the day and just kind of prepare and then go out there and just kind of look at the stars. And the crazy thing is, man, is that the stars... I've it's it's amazing the stars like interact with you when you're on psilocybin or psychedelic sometimes it seems you know it, it breaks down this veil where you can kind of see that fabric of existence i guess that holofractal fabric you know and it's it's very interesting you know and that's where i get these uh intuitive feelings and and um you know nudges and my favorite, you know, it, but it's very hard, too, but it's also my very favorite, these messages that come that kind of give you introspective um, thoughts about your own behavior. Does that make sense? That How you've treated oh, yeah. other people and how you've handled certain situations and you realize, or I have realized what a, what a fucking asshole I've been. Mm. or or how afraid I've been and it breaks my heart sometimes because you know all this out of love what I've the action that it was initially taken out of love ended up being twisted so far around because of a fear response and I would have never been aware of that if I didn't take these uh, compounds I don't believe and that's when you got a chance to look and say, you know, one of the most important statements that we can make as human beings, and that's, I was wrong. Or you can continue on if you're confident with your behavior. But, um, and I remember one time I, I saw this guy beating up a girl. I was training somebody's dog at a park, a public park, and this guy was beating up a girl, and I don't like that. And he was throwing her in the car, and, and they took off, and, and I, I chased him in my car, and I called the cops, and the cops arrested him. And, and long story short, I went to court. They subpoenaed me, and I was in court, but the guy got off, and I was always perplexed. I was like, why did this guy get off? And and um, I was doing, I did psilocybin mushrooms one night, and I was laying out there, and it was towards the end of the the trip, and it's, it's interesting, about the same amount of time, you know, about you know, five, six hours for psilocybin as well. Um, and um, I remember going to bed, 
and everything being quiet and I was laying there and like or heard of the story uh, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens yes so you know that how he was visited by those three ghosts the ghosts of Christmas past present and future yeah so it, it, that's the way I, I can explain this is basically I was laying in bed just waiting to go to sleep and I was visited by a ghost of Christmas past so to speak and this uh, ghost or this messenger came in and said, hey, man, do you want to find out why the guy was found innocent? And I was just like kind of blown away. I was like, yeah, sure. And he took me on this adventure, man. We went right back to the courtroom where we're sitting there in the corner, kind of third person watching me testify against this guy. And then all of a sudden, excuse me, all of a sudden it it, it kind of hyper focuses on a, a certain portion of my testimony where I talk about how I was the only boy in my family and how how many sisters I had and how many girl cousins I had and how when I saw this guy hitting this lady, it, it put, uh, or I saw the face of every sister, you know, and every lady in my family, something like that. And then, and then it shot over to a couple of the jurors and in their mind and they're kind of, they're kind of nodding like, oh, this guy's really biased. And so it was like they, they're throwing out my testimony because of my own inner uh, injection of, interjection of my own story and my own past just kind of disqualified me. And the ghost of Christmas past uh, kind of looked at me and said, it's not all about you, is it? And it was just, it was interesting, man, but it was, it was a lesson. And... Um, it just, it, it's something to observe and to learn from, but that's, you know, that's one of the many things that have happened and, you know, just a lot of it is, is, you know, relax, don't get so caught up in the business of everyday world, take time to stop and enjoy the place that you're at and enjoy the people that you're with. And that's what's beautiful about this stuff is that sometimes it teaches you, you know, quit being such an asshole. And that's what people need, I think, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that I that I believe can benefit from this stuff. And they're finding out with the studies that they're doing with psilocybin and cancer patients. And these people that are given terminal, terminal um, diagnosis, like you're, you're going to die. You know, that's nothing we can do. They give them mushrooms or give them the psilocybin, the active component within mushrooms that um, is uh, the psychedelic. And they're okay with dying after taking it. Have you seen those studies, Alex? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, on a personal level, I'm, I, I am not sick, but I, I, haven't, I have less fear of death now than I had 10 years ago. Yeah, but I, with, I but, honestly do too. But with the ayahuasca, you know, there have been cases, and I know some people that have been cured from terminal illnesses also, and um, uh, using ayahuasca. And uh, there was a girl when I was in in Peru that had uh, a brain tumor, and you don't last long if you have a brain tumor. And like three years later, when I was in Gabon, I met a guy who knew her, a small world. And uh, she was still alive, and I was amazed that she'd managed to 
I don't know if she's alive now because this was a few years ago, but still three years later, you know. And um, I also know this guy in California who had some, I don't know which kind of cancer, but he he got cured. Because the ayahuasca works like, you know, it's 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 also like a healing agent where it like, I don't know how it works, but you can kind of like do, you know, surgery on yourself and just get rid of the whatever it is. The illness, you know, because cancer is a parasite. Um, like it, you know, that's what it is. So if you just can get the parasite out, you can you can heal yourself. Well, and we are a magnificent spiritual being, and you know, just like we see the accumulation of our everyday life in the physical world all around us. With like dirty dishes and, you know, we have systems like sewers and stuff that take uh, this um, this refuse or, or this trash that is accumulating away. And so we have a nice clean space. Well, that's the same thing on the back end is that a lot of times, especially when we have trauma, we'll have a lot of, a lot of things accumulating that we don't see that are stress or fear on the back end and eventually those will start leading to physical manifestations like tumors, cancer. And when you can have a helper that allows you to look at this in a way that is constructive and clears away that block, it makes total sense to me, you know, why these cancers or these ailments would clear away with it. Of course, you know, it's not like if you have a cancer and you go to Peru and take ayahuasca, you're going to be cured. You have to put the work into it. I mean, you can't just drink it and expecting to be cured. You have to, you know, work with it and like want to be cured. And you know, it's it's not it's not a magic pill or anything like that. But but uh, you know, if I have cancer, I'm going to Peru. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and especially, you know, I would love to do it. And I've been. I've been with um, Dennis McKenna, and he's. I'm thinking about going down with him. He has a trip that he goes uh, that he plans. Uh, I think twice a year, one in February, one in August, down there. And uh, you know, I'm just. But there's also up here. There's some churches that will allow you to do the ayahuasca uh, in Seattle, and so I was looking into that as well because I would like to do it locally. But you were saying the forest and the shaman and. And that is another aspect of it that is, yeah. is just as important, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's also an economic thing. So if if because it is more expensive to go, you know, you have the plane ticket and finding a place, and you know, it, you know, it costs more money than to do it locally. So if if economically it's difficult, then I would say then do it locally because it's, it's better to do it locally than to not do it at all. Uh, and uh, but you know I've never done it locally I've only done it in the Amazon so I, I, I can't judge that you know that's why I want to do it locally now because I want to compare the experience you know but I do think that the curandero you know the shaman plays a very important role because they sing to you personally while you're doing it they and, sing uh, huh? they, they yeah they sit in front of you and you they sing straight into your face and uh this is a, you know, this, you know, 
ayahuasca without that is you know is is only half the story uh, i think um so uh that's the main reason i would go to to the amazon to do it is to have this uh, shaman but sometimes you know locally people have like shamans who sing these songs they call ikaros um but um you know the the cool thing in the amazon is that the person singing you these songs the shaman is usually like sometimes there can be like fifth generation healer you know so it's in their blood which is different than some white guy who learns some songs off the internet and sings to you you know so so uh, but you know some of the some of the gringos that do it are good i've heard some but um um it depends on what your tastes are you know i always try to go to the source uh but definitely if 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 it's difficult to travel that far uh, then i would say well it, you can probably have a very very good experience locally you know yeah you can order the stuff off the internet i know that yeah just don't do it alone don't don't do it alone like don't do the no. the ayahuasca alone no i i would not recommend that you there should be a person that you trust uh with your life not that something will happen but when you are in the experience it's very good to f- know that somebody is there that's not that sober and that you trust that person you know so don't do it with a stranger or something like that <laughs> like somebody somebody you trust you know like a like a wife or something like that somebody that's not going to be you know wearing a halloween mask and hiding behind the in the closet yeah exactly and uh you know they they shouldn't even but and also i think this that person should not give advice or anything like that because it might be very bad advice in the state you are in so they they should just be there like you know as a comfort that they are there you know in case you have a very difficult journey but uh, or if you start doing stupid shit like climbing on the dresser or, yeah know. oh yeah the, the small risk i mean most people can't even stand up um you can't it's very hard to walk and uh, so, so i've i've seen some people who can run around but most people i i've done i was go with and they i mean and like myself i i can't even walk you know it's like being extremely drunk but your mind is clear it's just your body is drunk you know like wobbly it's because like um Uh, you're walking in two realities at the same time so it can be very dis- disorienting you know where's the floor you know <laughs> wow yeah i mean that's that's amazing now what other things have you uh experienced and besides the ayahuasca is that is that basically it is that what your your preference is is that yeah i see ayahuasca as my plant teacher uh, i think that's my my thing i've done psilocybin on occasion but my psilocybin experiences are mainly reruns of my ayahuasca experiences so because it's much weaker and it just makes me reminisce about what i've already experienced so it's very good because like you know when you do like seven ayahuasca ceremonies and you come back to reality come back to europe six months later you might lose you know you forget or you like might lose your way a bit and then it's good to do some psilocybin and just reconnect 
and remember what you're supposed to do. And uh, so I use it more like that, like a boost. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I wonder if people would benefit from like having a journal or videotaping their experience or, or having like a, a camera set up right afterwards that you can sit and talk to, like talk to yourself, um, your future self from mm. your fresh out of the psychedelic world yeah. self. Yeah, I recommend. I I, I write. I the first thing I do when I wake up the next day is I write everything down. So, so I think that would is very important. You know the way that the universe works, and the way that you know we're this is a synchronistic universe, and how it curls in on each other. I wouldn't be surprised if you get from your first, very first trip. You get messages not only in the the near future, but also like in the very distant future. And so something that it should be recorded so you can look back through periodically. And I think uh, you'll freak out because, you know, a lot of this stuff, you'll go back to the very first one and it will reference stuff that you're dealing with at that present time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've had some of those visions, but I, that future has not arrived yet, but... Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but I, I, de I definitely seen the past. I mean, the like the far distant past, many times, past lives, and you know, ten thousand years ago, and those kind of things. Um, but I can't prove those, you know. But the future, you could prove. Right, right, and and even you know when something happens that you've seen before, I think that's kind of um, you know, that's a like a confirmation. And I'm all about patterns and kind of figuring things out, trying to. And and whenever that happens, man, I just love it because I'm just like, huh. You know, it's kind of proof that we are in a participatory kind of plane that uh, this universe is. And um, also that there's other dimensions and other creatures. Have you ever had that, like interaction with other creatures from other dimensions like that watch over you oh yeah yeah a lot it's um i have a, a story that's a good example is that i used to self-medicate with cannabis for many years and um because you know it made me feel normal you know and uh with the ayahuasca, it kind of healed me from this, so I I didn't really need to I didn't need cannabis anymore because I feel feel fine now. And um, but you know, it's a habit, and you you like ah, oh, it would be nice to have a joint, you know, like that. So, uh, but I, I knew that it wasn't for me anymore. You know, I was on a different path, and uh, I was gonna go i knew i was gonna go back to peru at a certain date and it was like a couple of weeks before i was going to to uh, peru and i uh, you know had got hold of some some weed and i smoked a joint and suddenly uh what i would call mother ayahuasca you know because i never have visionary experiences in cannabis you know and i can smoke i used to be able to smoke quite a lot and feel nor fine but after the ayahuasca i i, I can't just one puff and I'm I'm wasted. I don't know. It's, it's just made me allergic to it. But um, so when I smoked this joint, suddenly in the sky I just had this. I just saw Mother Ayahuasca. It's whatever the the 
the ayahuasca spirit just come through the clouds and look at me waving her finger you know like I'm, you know like oh i told you not to do that and i'll see you soon <laughs> and i i got really scared and i just stopped smoking and uh, because i you know ayahuasca works in this way that if you do some ceremonies and you are told advice or like they show you you don't do this do this you know like insight and you don't follow through and you next time you go back and you drink more ayahuasca it's gonna like punish you you interesting so uh it's kind of like it that's why you know it's like a teacher you know if you don't do your homework you're gonna get like punished Uh, (laughs) um are you do you know who graham hancock is yeah you know, he had a similar experience with cannabis, and it was just kind of saying, hey, look, you're overdoing it with this cannabis. And um, he actually had uh, an experience where his his girlfriend had a, had a bad trip, and it worked like the ayahuasca worked through his girlfriend. So after the trip, the girlfriend went over to him and said, hey, look, you need to quit the cannabis. <laughs> And so it got like kind of a that um, that team member to go, but she also experienced something very horrible, mm. kind of as a punishment, you know. And that was interesting. I, I found uh, very interesting, and also the cannabis thing. I'm I'm a huge fan of cannabis. Mm. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not against cannabis. It's just it's a very good healing plant and everything. But it's just uh, you know. Uh, for me, there, there's a different path, so it's not for me anymore. So it's a personal thing, but I, I, I'm all for it for other people, just not for me. If I, if I did it, if if it would have the same message for me with the cannabis, because I do it, you know, twenty four seven, you know, a lot. I mean, not twenty four seven, but um, you know, a lot. I smoke a ton, and I can. We do the dab where you do the concentrated cannabis up here, and. I mean, it's legal in this state, so I'm interested to see what Mother Ayahuasca has to say, you know, because you're the second person besides Graham Hancock that had that experience just regarding the cannabis, yeah. and um, and who knows? I mean, it makes me even more intrigued and more uh, interested in doing it. You know, like, because the Ayahuasca makes you stoned all the time, so <laughs> like it changes your perspective, or for me anyway. So I don't I don't need it. You know, like before, after a hard day's work, I needed a joint just to like get back to my normal self. You know, after being in the rat race. But now I get back to that. You know, I never leave that play. I'm at like that at work. You know, not on the outside, but on the inside. You know, I you know. So it's it's kind of like uh, like I said before. It's like having a superpower that nobody knows about. <laughs> But, you know, st- speaking about this stuff, like having a superpower or speaking to God and this, like for somebody who has never tried ayahuasca or anything like this, I, I, I am aware you, it might sound like you're, you're a lunatic, but um, words are too small to describe it. So, you know, it's hard to find the right words, but <laughs> direct experience is the only thing. So if people don't believe what I say, then... I don't expect them to, but if they have to try it themselves, you know. Yeah, well, and that's that's what it's all about. You know, you can read all about it, but you know, gnosis is that direct experience, and that's a totally different ball game than 
researching about it. Yeah, I I um I was on a search ever since I was like seven years old. I've been on a search for like some holy grail of some sort. Not no, really knowing what I was looking for, but when I came across ayahuasca, I thought, oh, maybe this is it. And uh, I read everything, you know. I read about people's trips and about the chemical makeup, everything you could read. And I I knew quite a lot about it. But about 10 minutes into my first ayahuasca experience, I still said to myself aloud, I cannot believe it, you know. <laughs> Not nothing of what I've written, uh, read, or anything, you know, was way bigger than I could imagine, you know, for me. Yeah, and you're sitting right there in the middle of it, going, "Wow." Yeah, and that's what I hear. It's like you're in a different world that you can mm. navigate in. Your mind is is sharp, and you talk to people and or or creatures. And even even uh, when I was speaking with Dr. Strassman, he was talking about that he was on his way to a conference in the UK where they were studying the different creatures that people see during their uh, DMT trips and ayahuasca trips. And it's just like a pattern that, that they're starting to recognize. It's Yeah, they're called the, the plant doctors in Peru. Um, they're always present. They're like surgeons. Because the shaman is just like... Um, it's like a guide, like holding your hand. And then the plant doctors come and do work on you. And it's very common for people to see them stand around you and operate. <laughs> like like, like real people, though? And no, like uh, not humans, like some a- a- alien being of some sort, you know. Really? And they, they come around you and, and work on you? Or what, what happens? Yeah, it's different for everybody, of course. But, you know, they can do surgery or take out parasites or, you know, open your head and pick out your brain or, you know, anything, you know, whatever, you know. It's, uh, uh, or or just stand around looking at you, you know, or, you know. I, I remember one, uh, one ceremony, because I'd never seen them before, I I was looking down, I was sitting and I was looking down and you know you can sense somebody is standing in front of you, you know. So I kind of like didn't look up, but I, you know, the first time you you see a being standing in front of you is quite like a bit freaky. And I could tell that there were more people around me, but I I was too afraid to look because if they were there, that would be very freaky, you know. And but I thought, oh, I, I went this far, I went all the way over here to the Amazon, and you know I have to look. So I, I looked up and, you know, I just had got the chills or shivers all over my body when I saw that I was completely surrounded by these uh, these beings uh, in hoods. <laughs> hoods, huh? Yeah. They kind of, you know, in Star Wars, those those midget things that, uh, s- no, they, they sell scrap, like uh, the tiny small ones with with lights in, eyes for lights or whatever. Lights for eyes, yeah. They look like those, but but bigger. Wow! Uh, and they're just standing around you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? What's, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Uh, they were just checking me out, you know. And and you know the freaky thing with ayahuasca is if 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 you if you look, 
and in the distance you see some creature moving forward toward towards you and you look away and then you look back it's even closer oh man so it's like it's moving through real physical space because a, a hallucination i mean would not do that it wouldn't like you know what i mean so that's i think that's very interesting and um, i have you know when you, for me when i drink ayahuasca it takes about an hour before the the shaman starts singing and uh, for me this is the worst part of the whole ceremony waiting for them to start singing because when they sing they ground you and you can like like you said when you were listening to the music it kind of like helps you navigate so this first hour is like being in a washing machine it's just crazy and it's, it's, uh, it's it's horrible you know when you you puke and I mean I don't like I don't it's very hard to go through that first hour and it feels like an eternity and uh, I often sit with my eyes closed but one night I decided that I'm gonna sit with my eyes open looking away from the circle looking out into the rainforest and just like pretend I haven't taken anything just look you know and it worked for quite some time but then finally uh, this other world broke through it it didn't matter that my eyes were open you know because you know on psilocybin you when i have my eyes closed i can see all these visions but then when i open them they kind of vanish well it's not like that sometimes it can be but you know so many times your eyes are open but you don't see you know where you are you're somewhere else you know yeah, so that can be quite, quite freaky, also. You know, I bet, man. Unless you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, and I got friends that have done it many times, you know. And some of the times they've been, you know, it comes back to bite them, you know, just like what you're saying. If you don't do your homework, you're going to be punished. And I think if you overuse this or use it for the wrong reasons, you're going to be punished as well. Mm. No, for me, it's like going to church. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be sacred. It's got to yeah. be viewed as something that is, you know, not 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 a game, not you know, not a joke or anything. Something that is very sacred and and that can that needs to be taken very seriously. Yeah, and and like I have this funny story where w another guy who was there, he got because you get you don't only get ayahuasca. The, the the shamans they give you other medicines also depending on what you need. And one guy there, he, he was a real nervous person and he had a lot of fear. So they gave him something to drink every day that was to help with his fear. And he asked me if I wanted to try some. And I said, no, 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 I don't have any fear. And then that night, you know, Ayahuasca showed me what true fear was all about. <laughs> so it's also like, be careful what you say, you know, in its presence. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't be too cocky either. So what <laughs> yeah. happened? What I mean, I'm I'm curious to to find out about the fear. <laughs> oh, uh, that that was the ceremony where I died. <laughs> and did it like did it like tear you apart or anything, or did how did how did you die? Uh, uh, my heart stopped, and and I could not feel my heart. And uh, after a while, I f I freaked out and I started calling for help. You know. And no, for so, for some reason, no, because you have helpers there, 
But for some reason, may- maybe my voice was too low or I don't know, they didn't hear me or something. But So when they didn't hear me, I was even more convinced I was dead. I was a ghost, you know. <laughs> And uh, and uh, finally, one came. One person came over and explained to me that I was still alive, and I could. I did not believe this person, and I, I just said, "Please, can you get the shaman to come to my bed and sing to me and help me because uh, I'm losing my mind right now?" And she said, "Oh, she's already by your bed, because they can't. They know also, you know, like they know where to go." I said, "Oh," and so I turned around and. Because she was on the other end of the bed. And I crawled across the bed to her. And this crawl over across the bed was like journeying across the Sahara Desert. <laughs> it, was, it, was an, it was an immense journey for me. But it was only like one meter, you know. <laughs> and then finally when I... Because normally you, you, you sit in lotus posi- position and they sit before you and sing. You know, they don't touch you or anything. Uh, but in this case, I just collapsed in her lap and she put her hand on my head. And the moment she did this, this chaos, death, horrible nightmare just changed into complete bliss and perfection. You know? So it was an amazing experience. So you need you need those those shamans there. You know? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you need somebody that's very well aware of the timeline of this drug and and or this compound and how how it affects people and to remind them you're still alive (laughs) you know to know that some of these people could be going through death's door or perceiving death and and that could be very scary and and not only that but you know it's if they'll really believe it you know that's wild to me man and you you don't you don't necessarily have visions, you know. I mean, I know some people who've drank many times; they, they haven't never ever had a vision. Uh, and uh, I've had that myself sometimes, where I drink and know nothing the whole evening, but it it's still it's it is still a great experience because sometimes you can spend the whole evening doing a life review, where you don't have a vision. You're just l- looking back at your own memories and looking at them from a new perspective, or maybe you're just crying for a whole evening. Uh, all the all the s- subconscious anxiety you have from things that has happened to you comes to the surface, and that's so like no visions, but like a physical, emotional journey. They can be like that also, which and they can also be very healing and very hard to go through as well. Well, it's like a spiritual steam vent almost, you know, like just kind of do it, it shows you what you need to do, the work that needs to be done. And, mm. uh, you know, and then you do it. And then mm. w- once you do it, then, you know, you've worked through this stuff. You don't work on it. You've, you've actually worked through it. You've gone yeah. through it and, uh, you come out a changed person. So, so. And not only that, but just like I, I reflected back and told you about my experience and you told me about your experience, these experiences, you know, sometimes they'll fade. The sharpness of the memory won't stick with us, but the overall experience does for the rest of your life. And these they have lessons in them that you remember. <clears throat> you know, I remember, you know, next time I, I actually saw an, another guy beating his girl <clears throat> um like just driving around. I don't know if I'm in a hot area where that happens, but um, 
And I remember I called the cops and everything, and, like, it presented itself. And I was like, okay, I remember from the lesson that I got from my psychedelic trip that to keep my mouth shut if I'm called to testify against this guy to just give my my opinion about or my observations and that's it not to interject anything about my story or that might sway the testimony that I give it have given so you know it sticks with you and these are life lessons and they're called m- messenger molecules is one of the the terms that I've right. I've heard used that I really like and uh, I think the the stigma towards psychedelic is changing, but I think it changes further along as people talk about their experiences with it and uh, delve into it uh, for the right reasons of making themselves um, better, you know, as better people experiencing life to the fullest potential or, you know, even finding out what their life is all about, you know, transcendental kind of conquests that uh, these compounds can definitely help us with. And, uh, you know, freeing our mind, too. I I used to think that, like, when I started discovering these kind of things, my initial response was, uh, everybody should take this. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> let's uh, give it to everybody. But now, uh, with experience and having done more of it and many years has passed i'm i've changed my mind and i actually think that uh, eh, not everybody i mean every it would be great if everybody did it but uh, you have to want to and be ready and be interested otherwise it's not good i mean like if you give it to somebody who's not interested and you know i don't think that's a good idea it's not going to heal them you know so you have to you have to have an intention to do it you know yeah and you need to set and setting you know and it's there's a three part process to any of any of um any ethnogen use and you need to prepare not only yourself but your space for the experience then you need to have once you have the experience that's the second part of the process and then the processing afterwards and the process afterwards that can take years yeah if not the rest of your life you know it's something that is and and that's okay if it takes the rest of your life there's nothing you know we're not you know it's the social structures that are false that people have set up that are you know have people standing over you with that clock hey 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 you know we need this done at this certain time you know, sometimes some of these lessons are going to take a, a life. Some of them are going to take, um, you know, that after after going out from this experience and kind of looking back. And, uh, you know, I think that that's when all understanding when really truly comes back to us when we do pass away and are done with this experience. You know, I'm having an experience right now as Bill and you're having one as Alex and <clears throat> we will return back to what we are as an infinite energy, infinite love, infinite intelligence, and uh, know exactly, you know, have all that understanding come back to us immediately. And so sometimes the lessons might be so big that we might not even comprehend uh, the importance or the overall structure of it. Does that make sense, or am I just ranting? No, 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 it makes sense. And also, like, I love talking about 
my experiences and I also love hearing about other people's experiences but people have to understand especially people who have not tried these kind of things that uh, uh, you know you have to have your own experience because I might tell talk about some insight I've received and somebody is listening and thinking oh that's not a good insight for me or whatever and it's because it's my insight that's good for me where I am not where you are you know Um, of course there's a red thread about compassion and things like this but particular insights that's why talking about experiences is it can be fun and interesting but but um, it's always best to have your own that's right because a lot of this stuff even though it is i mean it is so esoteric it is so personal you know and there's stuff that i talk about that is I wouldn't I wouldn't talk about because it is personal and vulnerable and 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 it's for me. You know, it's stuff that that just like there's stuff for me and my wife that we that we have, you know, there's this relationship that I have with I guess the universe. And guess what? It has a sense of humor, man, you know, and and it's been you know, there are some sometimes that it's it's actually, you know, just exhilarating how fun it is. Yeah. Sometimes, like, people, uh, you know, there was one guy, he had, I, he was, I don't know, it was something like some, some gang rape in India or some horrible thing that happened. And he was talking about how evil those people were who did that. And I said, no, 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 they're not evil, they're just childish. And he became very angry with me that, <laughs> that uh, I would not give them the moniker evil. But it's because of my experiences with ayahuasca that kind of behavior for me is is more childish because they're not you know they're gang raping this woman uh they're you know they cannot hurt her really on the infinite high level she'll be fine in the end but in that moment of course it's not very nice thing and it's a very childish thing to do that you know from the perspective of a higher uh, mind or looking down on this experience um but sometimes you can't talk about this stuff too, like in everyday life, because people just think you're a nutter. <laughs> but you need, you you see what I mean, like. I do, yeah, like, I, I do. But I also see to a point that that you know how how they can get upset about not saying that they're evil, and you know I, I just you know I, I I will be like okay yeah whatever <laughs> I just exp- I didn't experience that, and so I'll let them mm-hmm. have that that mm. label or whatever they want to put on it. I had this um, one vision I had was was very funny was that I used to be like into conspiracies and I used to want to like create revolution and topple the government and all the evil people and the big corporate uh, Nazi scumbags whoever, you know. And then in one of my visions the ayahuasca presented me with all of them. Like I saw their faces, they all I you know you know, all of them, George Bush and, um, uh, you know, all those people. The Queen of and, England, like all yeah, all the upper... Uh, yeah, whatever the names are now. And uh, the elite, whatever you call it. And it just said, like, don't worry about these people. On the infinite, eternal r- realm of the real universe, these these people are just babies. They're childish. And they are, you know, they might seem like they're in power, but really it's just an illusion. And 
and when they die they're going to realize that they are very young spirits like babies and uh, they will realize their mistake and hopefully the next time around they'll do better so it changed my outlook on it and uh, I don't like I stopped hating or thinking they're evil like I just mean like oh what a childish thing to do or I'm you know like like when you see a child do something stupid you're like oh you know grow up <laughs> you know like like war for instance you know it's a very childish thing to have <laughs> very non-thought non-compassion you know and and uh, there's that's why there's no way I could do it there's no way I could be an order follower and just go and kill somebody because somebody else told me to you know and that's that's the ridiculousness of uh, and that's what a lot of these psychedelics show you how ridiculous that is you know and you li- you'll laugh out loud belly laugh at it you know you're like man i can't believe people do this and they have clips where they gave um like regiments in america lsd back in the 60s they were experimenting with it and all these guys, they took all their weapons and, like, threw them down on the ground and went and decided to climb trees <laughs> and, like, laughing at their superior <laughs> officers. And, you know, and then they're like, okay, we are not using this stuff. And that's exactly what happens, man, is that you're just, you just want to love on each other and laugh and, and listen to music. And, you know, it's just, it's it's not what what the general public has been sold. And I look forward to... The ever-changing social stigma um, and the acceptance of more and more psychedelics and in in more and more therapies that can help people on so many different levels. Mm. And I also have have had a lot uh, of experience and insight about uh, this thing called forgiveness and letting go. Uh, I think letting go is a better word than forgiveness because, like, if somebody does something extremely horrible to you, uh, you know, forgiveness is the r- wrong thing. But letting go is very good because you don't, you know, you just let 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 go. The, you know, no revenge or anything like this. You know, just like let it go and you know, be at peace. Whatever happens, but it it is a form of compassion to even your enemies. And I I once saw. I had a vision where I saw my whole life and everything that's happened to me and I I saw an alternative version where I went around forgiving every time something happened and I could see what would have happened instead of what I did which was in you know in in the past I've employed revenge or hate or spite or anger uh but I saw that if you employ letting go or forgiveness it, it empowers you because when you are using hate revenge or all those things you're really like just hurting yourself you know <laughs> it's like you you're you know they are stealing your positive energy making it negative it's much better to just let go and be at peace you know and almost you know a bully as a bully or a murderer or a rapist is a it, you know, is a victim, and uh, you know, it can be hard for some people to hear it. But I think if e- things like this were treated with compassion and love, those kind of things would decrease. You know? There would be less of it. 
because you know when you're when you're a baby when you're born I mean most people don't think they're gonna grow up killing raping and doing all these kind of things you know it's, it's something that happens to them that you know the world creates them in a way you know well and it's I mean it's also you know we need to look at uh, society as a whole it, as you know but we also need to have people understand and take responsibility for their actions and you know and 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 if you do you know hurt other people that absolutely that is something that you need to be held accountable for you know it's just we're not we're or i'm i'm assuming you're not saying that it's more of uh taking a different stance on how you view these people as far as you know their their actions are kind of a product of a broken society and it's just uh you know that's the underlying the underlying causality of this isn't to introduce more or isn't to inject more fear and more control uh, the the solution would be to to have love and and humor and, and compassion to balance this out yeah didn't they do i think i read that they did some study there was a violent prison and there was always like killings and uh, beatings and they introduced uh, 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 transcendental med- meditation to the prisoners and uh, the violence in that prison just decreased immensely you know it just plummeted so um, bad things people do is misdirected energy you know you have to redirect the energy to the positive Yep, they have a prison, uh, transcendental meditation in prison from behind bars, um, and it's for combating recidivism, which is that reoccurring, and and uh, you know it's it's how to transmute that energy. Well, awesome, man! I think we're 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 at the end of our episode here, Alex. You know, for me, if you're listening to this and you found me during in, on Alex's website my website is freeyourmindpodcast.com and uh, my name is bill and you can get a hold of me at freeyourmindpodcast at gmail.com and it's great talking to you alex i look forward to having you on again man yeah cool and and for people who are on your podcast you can find me at naturalbornalchemist.com well there we go another episode of free your mind podcast uh, number 69 we love you and we'll speak soon all right, bye-bye. Towards the end of this talk, I made some statements about a girl that gets gang-raped and that she does not really get hurt and that the people who would do such a thing are not evil but childish. I just want to be clear that I am fully aware that anyone that is gang-raped is going through a horrible experience and that the people who commit such acts are not nice people. My statement was concerning the mindset you enter in the afterlife when this life is over and you are looking back. Then you might realize that nothing could really hurt you because you are an an eternal being. Uh, And the people who did hurt you physically down on earth, well, they were just being childish because if they knew their own immortality and their own higher self, they would realize their behavior was very childish. So I hope I I cleared that up. Anyway, to uh, conclude this episode, I want to play a song by Eric Fullerton called Your Heart is Frozen, featuring Loka, or Loka, uh, from the album Familiar World.
You can find more of Eric's music at ericfullerton.bandcamp.com. Uh, and I will post more links to his music as well as links to the Free Your Mind podcast in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. Freedom is in the mind. <laughs>